This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Just a disclaimer for this episode, this episode does focus heavily on sexual themes um, and how they are enforced in our society. Um, it doesn't talk about anything graphically, but just be aware that that is the content of this episode. And if that makes you uncomfortable, please do exit the episode now. If that would make you uncomfortable, I really don't want you to make yourself uncomfortable for my show. So enjoy your time today if you're leaving now. Let's talk about sex, baby. Well, I mean, actually, no. More like, let's talk about how sex is compulsorily pushed onto a bunch of people who don't necessarily want it. My name is Alex, or Volpeers. I use they, the fox, void pronouns, and this is Stride with Pride. Hello and welcome back to Stride with Pride. I hope you've had a fantastic however long it's been since you listened to the last episode. On this week's episode, like I said, we are going to be talking about compulsory sexuality. So last week we talked about compulsory heterosexuality, but this week we're talking about its counterpart, compulsory sexuality. Well, not really a counterpart, it just sort of builds off the same theory. So the idea for this episode and all of that came when I was reading um, Christina Lang's thesis called Intimacy and Desire Through the Lens of an Arrow Ace Woman of Colour. Um, and this was at Bates College in March of 2018. It was published. But yep, I read her thesis for fun, all 94 pages of it. I read the thesis and I loved it and was really inspired by it. Um, it was just... I, I didn't know that theses could be written like that. And it, it was um, written very conversationally with bits of her own personal experience in there as well as an our ace woman of colour. And I just, it was so beautiful. It was written conversationally but academically and it covers a bunch of things um, but mainly focuses on how normativity and compulsory sexuality have affected her journey in realizing that she is Arrow Ace. She also like mentions a bunch of stuff about the intersections between race and disability and these communities, as well as the history of how we're represented and have come to be seen by the mainstream and internet culture surrounding these identities too. And also explores how the institutional powers of schools, the media, and marriage are enforcers of compulsory sexuality and metanormativity. And talks about how these institutional powers and societal rules are being disrupted by our communities. And it's a fascinating read, and I highly recommend you check it out. But with that said, let's get on to the topic at hand. There are a lot of quotes from her thesis in this, um, and I'll point out where those quotes are um, when we get to that. But um, it is drawing a lot on this thesis, but also on a bunch of other things as well. So, compulsory sexuality was 
a term sort of coined by Christina Gupta, made to build on Adrian Rich's theories of compulsory heterosexuality. Christina Gupta says that compulsory sexuality is the assumption that all people are sexual and to describe the social norms and practices that both marginalize various forms of non-sexuality, such as lack of sexual desire or behavior, and compel people to experience themselves as desiring subjects, take up sexual identities, and engage in sexual activity. So essentially what this is saying is that society forces the idea of wanting sex and needing to want sex and to do sexual behavior or to be seen as sexy onto everyone. And that if you don't do this, then there is something wrong with you. Sex is so centered in allosexual and usually heterosexual people's lives. And in general, it's assumed that it's like that for everyone. So much so that having a low sex drive is considered a medical condition. And there's so much marketing about how to get back your desire. And then if you have low sex drive or don't want sex, it's something that absolutely must be fixed because how will you ever be happy without it? This affects a bunch of people, but we're mainly going to talk about it today in terms of how it affects ace people. And obviously ace people can have sex and can want sex, but this does affect ace people of all types, whether they want to engage in sex or not, because compulsory sexuality assumes sexual attraction as well. But compulsory sexuality also affects those who have sexual trauma and can be incredibly re-traumatizing in a lot of ways. It also pities and pathologizes those who do not want sex or do not want to engage in it, do not want to have anything to do with it, or don't experience or experience very little sexual attraction. So now we'll talk a bit about some of the ways in which sexuality is enforced or like made to be seen as the one normal thing and the only thing you can do by our society. So using a couple of the headings that Christina Lang used, we're now going to first talk about the media and how it perpetuates this idea. So in an article, Regan and Burstchide explore the romantic and sexual norms that media conveys. They say, popular music, television, and film provide countless depictions of sexually passionate relationships, alternately glorifying and vilifying the desires of the flesh. On a daily basis, talk show hosts and their invited guests tell us how to behave in a sexually desirable manner what to say to communicate sexual desire to an attractive other, and what clothes to wear to ignite sexual desires in our current flames. Should this advice fail, we can always turn to the countless self-help books that promise to teach us in ten easy steps how to rekindle the sexual ashes of our fading romance, once torrid love affairs or weather-beaten marriages. All of these events conspire to teach us that sexual desire is a necessary ingredient in our romantic relationships, and that sexual desirability is something we should strive to attain. So what they're saying here is basically just everywhere in media we are constantly told how to appear sexy and how to put sexual fire into our relationships with people, but that they simultaneously say that you should absolutely do this thing and, oh no, you have sexual desires? That's, that's a little... Oh, it's a little iffy. 
And there's just so many different ways in which media tells us that you must have sexual relationships and you must want sexual relationships and to look sexy and convince other people that you're sexy and that this is all something you should want. And sex is centered so much in adult and even teen shows because it's assumed that everyone wants that. Like, it's kind of hard to find a show for adults that doesn't incorporate sex or sexuality in some way. It's because it's seen as this marker of adulthood. So, like, if you don't want to be involved with that, then you're seen as, like, a prude or innocent or, like, you know, naive, a little a, a child. You're infantilized because of it, which happens to ace people a lot <laughs> and just people who don't want sex in general. And then it's like a challenge for people to corrupt you and bring you to the dark side of wanting sex. Like, there's so many teen movies that are, like, about corrupting the innocent, pure girl to make her cool and things like that. Or, you know, the, like, loser virgin stereotype. But ultimately, society also, like, deifies not wanting it, but only for, like, white, conventionally attractive females because, um, like, they're always the, like, virgin sacrifice, the pure one in, like, horror movies and stuff like that. So it's a, a weird societal message. But because there's all of this focus in a lot of adult media about sex, it can be incredibly hard for people who don't want to engage with content like that to find stuff to watch. Even shows that don't have it centered still have it in the side plots and things like that. So often you know, will retreat to kids' media to, you know, get away from that. And kids' media can be great. I mean, Shira, Kipo, like, Atla, so much good stuff and absolutely not knocking it. But it shouldn't be the only place where there isn't any sexual stuff, you know? And I'm absolutely not trying to say with this that embracing sexuality is a bad thing. That is not what I'm saying at all. Just saying that society pushes the idea that you need to be sexual and you must be to fit into society, and that's not something that works with everyone. It's even harder to find representation in media of characters who don't want sex or are ace. Or if they are ace, they don't use the proper definition. They just say that they don't want sex when, in fact, asexual people can have sex. They just don't experience sexual attraction or experience very little or under specific circumstances. And it's really frustrating that when we do get ace representation, it's always using the wrong definition, like with Spooner on Legends of Tomorrow. But yeah, like, can we can we get some media that A, has good representation of ace people, and B, adult media that, like, doesn't involve sex as a plot? Or, you know, any type of anything at all. Like, just, just like, for once. Or at least portrays it as something that, like, some people want and some people don't. Like, doesn't enforce it upon you. <sighs> I feel like I'm not asking too much here. <laughs> Maybe I am. The next heading is schools. So, in schools, sex ed, usually happens. <laughs> and sex ed, even if it is sex positive and you know, expansive about gender and sexuality, often presumes still sexuality. 
a quote here from the thesis says, it's assumed we already knew about, thought extensively about, and acted upon sexual feelings. There's a societal assumption that teenagers think about sex a lot, that when teenagers hit puberty, all they can think about is sex, and that, as a result, they must be taught not to have sex, or to at least have sex safely. And this rings true for my sex ed as well. There was no mention of asexuality until it was brought up by me and other students. It was, mine was, you know, pretty trying to be inclusive. Like I talked about bisexuality and gays and some stuff there. But um, yeah, no, I didn't mention asexuality. Um, and it's really important that it does. It is really important for teens to be able to get this information and get access to stuff about how to behave sexually and safely and, you know, how to know if things feel right um, and consent and all of that. That is absolutely vital and important. I'm not saying that shouldn't be taught. In fact, it absolutely should and is a must. But it's also a must that the sex that the sex education is also inclusive of people who do not want sex or do not feel sexual attraction. Because if that's not taught about, then those people who are like that will just go about their lives thinking that they're broken, there's something wrong with them, because everyone feels this, right? And so if I don't, what does that say about me? And that's how a lot of ace people feel growing up. And schools are one of the best places to start teaching about it because it's full of young people who are starting to explore themselves and figure out who they are. And so having that information early on would be so helpful for so many people and just improve the mental health of kids so much. Like, if you thought you were broken your whole life and then you found out about this, you would be overjoyed, right? But you'd also be mad that you didn't find out about it earlier. If you found out about it earlier, you could have been saved so much self-hatred and questioning and just wondering what's wrong with you if, you know, other people feel that, but you don't. There's a whole community of people who feel the same way. And it's so vital that this information gets out there and that sexuality is not presumed. Christina Lang also mentions in her thesis that one of the institutions not mentioned in the three subheadings is girl talk. Um, and she explains that, like, obviously it's not just girls who engage in this, um, but that this is a way that society covertly enforces compulsory sexuality, even if, like, you don't mean to and it's not, like, done with malicious intent. She suggests that society normalizes and enforces interest in sex by gossiping about who you are, about who you're into, and what, who you want to do stuff with, and making comments about how hot people's bodies are, and things like that. I realize I said that in a mocking voice. If you do that, and everyone consents and, you know, wants to do that, great. It's, it can be a great way of bonding. Not knocking that at all. It's definitely not inherently a bad thing. But... In these environments, um, when this is such like a, a common way of bonding, it can be really hard for people who don't want that or don't feel sexual attraction to exist and contribute and feel like part of this. And they can feel isolated because of this as well. 
So just remember to ask consent. So I did now just want to focus on some ace stuff, <laughs> if that is a heading, um, and just general thoughts as well. Um, so compulsory heterosexuality interacts with compulsory sexuality as well. Because if you don't feel something for the same, in quotes, gender as you, you presume that you're straight because it's the default, even if you don't actually feel stuff for the, quote, opposite gender as well. So you're exploring it and you don't think you feel anything for the opposite, quote, gender, but you don't feel anything for the same gender. So you assume that you're straight because of that. Or a lot of people, a lot of ace people are like, oh yeah, I'm like bi or pan because I feel attraction to everyone the same amount. But then they they don't realize that that amount is none or very little and that they are in fact asexual <laughs> and their equal attraction is zero and zero, which is the same, but it's not attraction, it's lack of it. <laughs> And bi and pan communities have historically accepted ace people because of this, um, which is a neat little, neat little thing, being included in the communities because we sort of feel the same, but also not. <laughs> but yeah, like so many people assume that they have these feelings despite not actually having them. Talked a bit about this last week. Um, a quote from the thesis says um, they assumed that the strong feelings I had for my friends were romantic or sexual. In a society that insists on and is consumed with romance and sex, it is logical that my strongest feelings would be romantic and sexual, when in reality they were just like platonic love or potentially altruist or aesthetic. Like, there's so many different types of attraction, but that's not talked about as well. That should be talked about in sex ed, as well as like not wanting any of that stuff too. But yeah, like, so many ace people and arrow people just assume, like, oh, yeah, well, I'm fe the society says these uh, strong feelings for people is romantic or sexual. Couldn't be anything else when, in fact, it actually can be something else. But they don't tell you that. And I relate to this. <laughs> I, um, a lot of things that I thought were romantic or sexual attraction was actually just aesthetic attraction or altruist attraction or forcing myself into believing that I did feel these things. Um, so, you know, if I'd been taught about all the different ways to be ace and all the different types of attraction, maybe I would have realized sooner. And I just wanted to read this quote from um, Shades of Grey Row um, on their post being an aromatic asexual is weird on Tumblr. They say, thinking, read, assuming, that you're straight for most of your life and then finding out you're not is weird. Mostly because once you realize you're not straight, it dawns on you that you feel the same way about boys that you do about girls and non-binary people. And then you wonder if you're pansexual because they're attracted to all genders and you have to be attracted to someone, right? And then that thought is immediately dismissed because you don't feel attraction at all. But that doesn't stop you from com contemplating every other sexuality and romantic orientation because you've been taught that everyone wants sex and romance. Sexual relationships are presented as the most intimate and amazing experience. I really like that post and you should check it out if you're more interested in, a, in an arrow ace perspective that is not mine, but is also very similar to mine. <laughs> um... 
But yeah, like sexual relationships are presented as the most intimate and amazing experience. It's shown that that is the most intimate thing you can do with someone and nothing will ever top that. But there's so many other things that can be intimate without being sexual, you know, like huddling or reading each other's favorite books, listening to each other's favorite artists, baking together, or, you know, just like having a real good friendship. Like there's so many different ways to be intimate without it being sexual. I do also want to talk about some of my experience here too. So I am asexual, but I'm also um, sex favorable or kind of sex neutral. I sort of refer to myself as like demi-sex favorable, but like there might be another word for that, but I'll just explain it a bit. So it took me ages to realize that I was ace because I do enjoy doing sexual things. But only with people that I'm emotionally connected with. And I thought I was demi because of this, demisexual. But I realized that what I feel is not actually sexual attraction. Um, it's, this is sort of how I explain it. It's like, sex is cool and you are cool. So a specific person and you are cool and I feel safe with you. And this would be a cool bonding thing and also feels nice. Therefore, I want to do sex with you. It's not the same <laughs> as being sexually attracted to someone, which is looking at someone's body and going, hmm, that makes me want to have sex with you, please. And I, when I was questioning about this, I um, commented on a demisexual um, Facebook group that I'm part of and was like, oh, so when you do start feeling sexual attraction, because um, there's the primary and secondary sexual attraction and demi people feel sexual attraction after getting to know someone, I was like, oh, well... What does that feel like for you? And a lot of their comments were like, you find, you suddenly find their body attractive and it makes you want to have sex with them. And I realized this was not what I was feeling. Um, so after some thought, I was like, oh, okay. Came to this conclusion that I am, in fact, asexual. Um, but just sex favorable. Um, but also kind of sex neutral because outside of the situation that I described where it's like, like very good emotional connection with someone and feeling safe enough with them. Um, outside of that, I'm not fussed about it at all. I could not care less. Um, but compulsory sexuality uh, made me think that because I generally enjoyed sex, I was allosexual. And, you know, because I wasn't taught about the big spectrum, I never considered that I could, in fact, be asexual, just like sex favorable or sex neutral. So, you know, it should be taught about because I didn't know about it and I, if I had sooner, maybe I would have realized sooner and that would have been better because I would have known more about my identity. Like, it's fun to explore things by yourself, but also getting a hand sometimes is useful. So, sex ed in schools and also the media, step on it. But to conclude, basically... Teach people about stuff. Teach people it's okay to not want stuff or to feel stuff um, about sex or feel sexual attraction or not want to do it. That is completely okay. And have it in media. Also make some media that's for older people that doesn't have sex as a main plot device. Please. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> 
For this week's Creator Spotlight, I am going to spotlight Christina Lang, of course, um, and her wonderful thesis. Um, highly recommend you check it out. There's so much information in there, and it's just so wonderful, and she uses tidbits about her life, and I've said all of the wonderful things before, but I'm also going to talk about some of the extra stuff that didn't really belong in this episode, but I wanted to talk about it because it's cool anyway. <laughs> so she also talks about how the ACE community is sometimes in conflict with the disabled community because a lot of ace phobia talks about like asexuality being caused by something wrong with them physically, like a chemical imbalance, things like that. And so some of the pushback against that can go so hard that it becomes exclusionary to those whose asexuality is in fact, caused by their disability or their chemical imbalance or whatever. Because some ace people feel like their asexuality is definitely tied to that. And the community is a wide open place. And we do accept everyone from all of the ways. But some of that can go a bit far into being exclusionary towards those aces. But in contrast, the disabled communities who are so often desexualized because of their disability can sometimes go so hard in the we're not ace like we we like sex and things like that and we can experience sexual attraction we are not devoid of sex absolutely good however that can also go so hard that it becomes exclusionary to disabled aces as well um so disabled aces just really have a hard time um but yeah just remember this people of all types in our community and we do our best to be accepting of all because everything is fluid and if we are a home for someone and make someone feel safe then let it be their home. She also talks about like how aceness was pathologized instead of being violently hated in the way that um, a lot of other sexualities so like just gay men very violently hated trans women but like talks about the racial history of why it was pathologized specifically in the US as well. Um, it was brought into psychology things um, because being ace was seen as the correct way for non-white people to be non-threatening um, and thus easier to enslave black people. Also helps like prop up the mammy stereotype. There's a lot of stuff about this in her thesis, I'm not doing it justice, so please, please go check it out. It's so fascinating. But it was pathologized instead of hated because it was seen as, you know, a way to tamp down the masses. I'm not doing that justice. Please go check it out. But it was really, really interesting to read. And she also talks about more about how the how race intersects with disability and asexuality and aromanticism and just so much wonderful stuff. But yeah, highly recommend checking it out. Um, to find it, you can search just the title of the paper, so Intimacy and Desire Through the Lens of an Arrow Ace Woman of Colour, um, and it's the first PDF link there, which should be the second link down, I think. It's so good, check it out. It, it made me vibrate reading it. That's a positive connotation. It, uh, it was so exciting. I loved reading it. <laughs> But that is all for this week's episode of Stride with Pride. I hope you had a good time learning about compulsory sexuality and like how it's, you know, not a good time <laughs> in a lot of places. But I sure enjoyed talking about it. Um, something that I'm really interested in. Um, and also Christine Lang's thesis sort of inspired me to 
start putting some stuff together for my own thesis that I'm eventually going to have to do. It's a few years away, um, quite quite a few years away. But you know, maybe I can just like already have written one. Like <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> but with all that said, I hope you have an amazing day, afternoon, or evening, whenever you are listening to this. And drink some water, please. Get a snack, take a nap, take your meds. Don't forget to spread your joy. And I will see you all next time. Bye. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices. Or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.